Welcome to Mavericks, a pursuit podcast. Scaling a sales team is hard. Pursuit sources top sales talent for thousands of companies. We've seen firsthand the companies that are set up to win and the ones that are bound to fail. But recruiting is only a piece of the puzzle. In each episode, we speak to an industry expert specializing in a unique vertical within the sales motion who's walked the walk and successfully implemented a blueprint that has taken their sales team to the next level. Come get equipped, hear from the best, and level up your sales team. All right, welcome back to Mavericks. I am your host, Carter Hopkins. Really excited to introduce you to our guest on today's episode, Kristen Baker, who is the Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at Millennium Health. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Carter. Absolutely. Um, For those of you that don't know, before I started Pursuit, I actually um, worked at Millennium Health for about three years, Uh, had an incredible ride with them, got to work alongside incredible people like Kristen. for three years that that I'm super grateful for, um, I learned it kind of set the foundation of my sales career when I was at Millennium. So always grateful uh, for them. Left there, started Pursuit, um, and uh, my old boss from Millennium actually reached back out to me and said, "Hey, we're trying to fill your position in Shreveport, Louisiana. Do you know anybody?" I halfway joking said, "Are you going to pay me?" He said, "Yes." Um, and I filled the position about two days, and that was our first placement, I think, back in the end of 2014. Uh, and so all of that to say, Millennium was our very first client, um, and they are still a client to this day. And I'm extremely grateful uh, for that. As I said earlier, Kristen now serves as the Senior VP of Sales and Marketing, has over 100 reps underneath her. Um, she's an absolutely incredible leader of people, somebody that I've learned personally learned a lot from. Uh, She has a passion and fire like no other. Um, And so for all of those reasons, I am really excited to have Kristen on the show. And so uh, Kristen, if you will, would love for you to just walk our our listeners through your story at Millennium. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's very interesting. People always say, how did you end up at Millennium? And and talking about recruiting, um, Millennium tried to recruit my husband. Um, I was in outpatient physical therapy, sports medicine world. That, that's what I went to school for. He was very happy in pharmaceutical sales where he was before. And he's like, you know, I'm not interested, but my wife might be. So about six or seven interviews later, I was a territory manager um, 2010 um, at Millennium. So you and actually started out as a sales rep. As I a started as a sales rep. Yep. And we were a very small company. It was a brand new territory, no customers, no business, no teammates. It was just, it was um, just kind of go out and figure it out and and figure out what's going to work. And 13 years later, about five different roles, moving my family across the country. um, I'm very blessed to still be with the same organization. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's one of the things about your story that, I'd love to hear from is like you, you've stuck it out mm-hmm. through good times, through hard times, right? You, you're with an organization for 13 years. You're going to see it all. And so, you know, for a lot of our, you don't talk to many people that have been in an organization. I don't talk to many people that have been in an organization for 13 years. I'd love to hear from your perspective why that's been been worth it. Yeah. So, well, 13 years at the same time, it went by like this. But of course, at the same time, you think back and you're like, wow, that was so long ago for me. 
tenure within the organization creates a level of expertise that's irreplaceable. Yep. You know, and for me, in my position today, because I have carried a bag, for lack of better words, yep. I've done those things, I know what's important to the team. Every company, no matter what industry you're in, they're going to have tough times, great times when everything's fantastic, but it's the moments of adversity. People yep. tend to walk away. They, they walk away from fear. They walk away from the unknown. What I've always seen is after that moment of fear and adversity is when you have a breakthrough. That's yep. when the most growth happens. That's when that professional development that everyone seeks, that's when it comes is yep. when you go through that. To be in an organization that's never faced adversity, then you don't know how they're going to handle it. Um, when you're with an organization that has a long tenure, you've grown with the company, you've seen them overcome tough challenges and changes, and especially in healthcare. If you're going to work in healthcare, you've got to be comfortable with change. Yeah. Um, it really allows you to grow as an individual and to create that resiliency and to understand what kind of person you're going to become. Um, yeah. You're right. We don't have, you know, you don't hear that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. We do have... I think 15 sales reps that have over eight years experience on our team. Awesome. So, um, you That's know, we incredible. have a lot of people that are really pushing for that tenure too. Absolutely. And you do, you see it in, not just in jobs, in our culture is like, as soon as things get tough, people are so quick to run. Like we are so used to instant gratification. And the second things get hard or the second we don't get what we deserve, we think that we deserve. It's so, uh, we can be so quick to run from that. And I, I'll even you know, it's interesting what you were saying about a lot of times when a company goes through adversity, coming out the other side, a lot of times there's growth. I think back for our company, looking back, it's crazy to say um, COVID was so hard and it oh, was yeah. it was horrible for a lot of different things. But like it was the scariest time in our company's mm -hmm. history. And uh, I look back, it was a turning point in our company and it was extremely hard. And some people decided to leave mm -hmm. um, and we had a group of people that decided to stay. And now those are the same people that are actually leading our organization years later. I think six of our first seven hires are still at our company today. And now it's been so much fun because they are the ones that are actual, like they're, they're the leaders. They're our, our VP of sales, our VP of recruiting. Um, and so it's been really fun to watch that payoff for them. But I, I've seen the, the, the benefit that can come um, from staying with a company as things get tough. People need to identify what it is they're searching for, right? What are yeah. their goals? And, and yeah. unfortunately, we live in a society today where your success is tied to your title a lot of times. And that success with that title might not be what an individual person is looking for to fulfill them. And yeah. so I think that's where the, how many cliches can we use? The grass is greener on the other side. You know, that's where that kind of comes from is that they think this is where they need to go to show progression in their career when actually that might not align with their goals. Um, yeah. So I think well, just sitting down and really fighting through some of those moments allows you to identify what's important to you. Absolutely. And then too, I think it limits their personal growth individually as well. Because like when you don't, you don't really find out what you're made of until things get tough. And, you know, for me, I look back at, at some of the most influential times where, you know, it was some of the hardest times for me personally, but I had to grow and I became better. Uh, because of that. And so I think when people flee, like even if, for me and my marriage, it's like things get hard, like your marriage yeah. is tough. And like my marriage gets stronger through some of the hardest times mm -hmm. that, that me and Aubrey have been through. So yeah. um, 
And yeah. so would my husband. <laughs> yes. Uh, how has your ability, you, you've been there, you were a sales rep. How mm -hmm. is that? Do you, do you feel like that has affected your ability to gain respect from other sales reps and it's given you a, an advantage to lead where you've walked in their shoes? You know, I, I feel like respect is earned. So I don't know. A lot of our sales reps might not have been here when I was a sales rep. So I don't know yeah. if that per se, but what it does, it gives me perspective. Yeah. And so the perspective of knowing that windshield time, the grind it takes, the living out of your car, the cooler in the back with your food, eating on the go, the nights away from your family. I understand how that matters to them, what they're going through day to day. It yep. also helps me fight for what tools they need to be successful. Yep. Um, when, when people kind of come at with different metrics or different things that people that haven't been in the field feel would be important for sales, I feel very comfortable to kind of fight that fight with them and say like, this isn't going, this isn't going to help a salesperson. This isn't going to give them insight. It's not going to allow them to grow their business by tracking this metric. Whereas I think some people just feel like more metrics are better. Um, there are metrics that are key metrics that help a salesperson actually grow their business. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up metrics. I know me and you spoke the other day about just kind of metrics and, and mm -hmm. giving reps ownership and how that plays in with metrics. Can you go into a little bit more detail yeah. around that? I think a lot of people try and I'll, I'll go two avenues with this. People try and push reps into one box, every rep into one box. And everyone's yeah. very different. And part of sales is allowing people to use their personalities and their natural kind of um, charisma to, right. to connect with their customers. And we've had people come and try and say, this metric's important. So for example, how many times you visit a customer? It's not an important metric to me. And it's really not right. an important metric to a salesperson. What matters is how impactful was the time that you spent with them? I would much rather someone go and see someone once a month for 45 minutes and have a really meaningful clinical conversation than to go in there for 10 minutes every other day. So again, it's really understanding the metrics that are valuable to a sales team. And that's where I think my experience comes into play is I'm able to push back comfortably knowing yes. this isn't helpful versus yes. someone that maybe has never been in sales in their mind, they think it would be a helpful tool. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I, we actually uh, at our company a week ago, we talked about that. We had an all hands meeting and we just talked about, hey, we got to remember what winning is, because mm -hmm. at times and my uh, my fault as much as anybody else's. But we've become so metrics focused yeah. that you change a person's mindset in where they, they think that they're winning because they're hitting certain metrics and that's not really what, what winning is, right? Like, and so what ends up happening is that rep walks into that, that person's office and he checks a box in his head of like, Hey, mm -hmm. I, I have done what they're asking me to do in order to be successful and in his head or her head, yeah. they're winning by walking in the door when yeah. walking in the door doesn't do anything. And, and it takes them away from thinking how to actually move the ball forward with strategy and mm -hmm. um, creativity. Uh, yeah. where it's like, hey, no, I, I did what I needed to do. I walked in the door. I said, hey, to one person, check the box, move on to me. Um, and I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say dashboards give you direction. They give you an overview of where you need to go, but there's a story behind every one of those numbers on there. And yeah. for me, you have to understand that story. What What's giving those numbers? Can I ask a hard question? Yeah. Because here's what I have a hard time with that is because I agree with everything that we're saying. Mm -hmm. And I also believe there needs to be accountability. 
right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is it's not all territories are created equal. Correct. Not all, like even in our book of business, there's different, it's, it's, it's hard to, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this is mm -hmm. uh, we need something in place to hold people accountable, but people's opportunity at times can be different depending on where they are or what companies mm -hmm. that they're focusing on. And so it's like, how do you build metrics that work mm -hmm. all across the whole company? Does that, does yeah. that question make it does. sense? It does. And you know, we all have someone we report to that we have to report out on metrics. And so for me, it's two points. So one, metrics to a sales team should give them direction. Yep. These are gaps. These are opportunities. Here's your pipeline, whatever those type of things are. So it should give them the freedom to build their strategy and to run their territory like a business. Yep. If I have to have someone that I need to micromanage and tell them where to go. This isn't the right role for them. And yep. so for me, on a sales side, the sales members in the field every day, they need something that gives them direction. For me, I need an overview of how the company's doing. Yeah. But what's more important to that is I need to have the story behind it. I yep. need to know if we're short, why we're short, where we're lagging. If we're doing well, where are we winning? And Absolutely. so for me, it's, it's having the verbiage to go along with it. I can't just send out a dashboard and say, here's how we're doing. There's more to it. There's a story to go with that. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I think just keeping what winning on the top of their head, what I, what I told our team last week is like, guys, we, we are going to have, met, we, we have metrics in place and we need to. Um, and at the same time, I don't want you to focus on them. If you are focusing on getting the most amount of people hired as, as you can and good people, the metrics will take care of themselves. You, you don't have to think about how many phone calls you, yeah. you'll hit the phone calls. Yeah. Like if you're thinking about the right things, you will hit the metrics that you need, but we have to, I think from a sales leadership perspective, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing um, and be careful. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you have a hundred percent win rate, right. Then, you know, for every call you make, you're going to have a success. Um, yeah. So it's figuring out what is your own personal metrics? What is your own skill set working yeah. backwards? Do I have enough opportunities built out so that I can be successful for the company's expectations? Yeah. Kristen, one thing I love about you and that hasn't changed, and I said this in the opening, is just your your passion and fire. Uh, is when I, when I think about Kristen Baker, that's what I think about, um, is, is, is passion. And I say that in the most positive way possible. Yeah. Uh, day in, day out, I've never had a call with you. And I've had, I've had fun calls with you. I've had hard calls with you where we weren't <laughs> performing, you know, and, and um, you're calling to find out why. And, and, yeah. and for me, it's like the passion is always there. Um, and it's very, it's direct and it's, um, it's unique. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that passion and fire comes from and how do you care? Like you've been in the same company for 13 years yeah, and it, it's still there today as it was when I was working alongside of you, mm -hmm. how, where does that come from and how do you wake up day in, day out mm -hmm. with that passion and fire? So for me, my, what fulfills me is helping other people. And so, you know, as a, direct field facing sales rep, it was helping my customers. It was helping physicians with patients that they're caring for. And it's progressed in every role that I've had here, it's changed, but I have a huge responsibility in my mind today. I am in charge of getting the sales team what they need. And that could be solving a problem. That could be helping create an opportunity. That could be connecting two people together, whatever that is. So for me, that role of helping people around me that is what fulfills me. That's what ignites me. That's my fire to get up every day because one, of course you lead by example, but every day that I'm not helping them, that's a day they're not being successful. 
And so that's been always my internal driver is helping other people, period. No matter what role I've been in, no matter who that recipient is. Yep. Um, that's, that's, I don't want to say that's my job. That is what excites me. Seeing other people hit their goals is more exciting than me hitting my own. I love that. I, and, and it's so interesting you say that because I was thinking about that on my side too is, is uh, knowing your why. And at times your why may change, right? Like I, I, helping people, the people side of that um, uh, is different when you're a sales rep than it probably yep. looks like now. Who yep. the people are changes. And I think for me, I've had to tap into what my why was when I started Pursuit eight years ago. It looks a little bit different. I've had to kind of figure out at different stages of our company how my why has changed and then continue to focus on that day in, day out, when not every day is as easy to wake up and, and be as passionate. It, it, if you know your why and you're very clear on that, it's mm -hmm. easier to lean back into that. It is. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, and knowing that every day I have over 100 people depending on me um, yeah. to do that. And then their customers are depending on them. And so, you know, being quick to respond, being available, being accessible, all those things are, are built into my DNA. Yeah, it's almost it's funny. I was telling somebody, uh, I feel like they're like, what's it like to work for yourself? And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, to be honest with you, like, I feel like I work for uh, I, I went from working for one boss to now I feel like I'm working for, for mm -hmm. 60 people at my yeah. company day in, day out. So I feel like I have, you know, I'm work, my working, who I'm working for um, has changed over time. So, it's a servant mentality, you know, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, with Millennium, mm -hmm. one of the things that I've always appreciated about Millennium is, and maybe it's because they gave somebody without any true sales experience back in the day uh, that hopefully had some intangibles and opportunity. Yeah. You have always, uh, you've hired um, based off of a lot of intangibles, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's things on a resume that matter and, and that are for sure. But I know you and, and Millennium have always hired off of some, some intangibles. And so when, when you're looking to hire within your organization, and you don't have to give us all the secrets, yeah. uh, but what intangibles are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And then how do, you like, how do you go about finding them out in an interview mm -hmm. process? Yeah. So for me, there are three um, kind of innate qualities that I look for that come across fairly easily in an interview. Um, drive, hunger to be successful. I definitely cannot want someone to be more successful than they want for themselves. Yep. So I need to see that that fire for someone to work remote from home in their car across the country. I need to it. know they have that hunger. Um, communication skills. It sounds so simple, but someone that can quickly adapt and communicate with different types of people. So in our line of work, obviously we're speaking with providers. And then the next thing you know, you're speaking with the CFO at a hospital, to a nurse, to a lab tech. I mean, it can vary. And so being able to adapt. And the last one is just EQ. Um, emotional intelligence, for lack of better words, kind of common sense on how to handle things, how to manage things. Those are the three things that I look for. Of course, over the years, I've built questions that I feel you know, pull that character out of someone. Yeah. But those are the things I look for. All the other, the product knowledge, the how to be a healthcare salesperson, all of that we can teach someone. We have a fantastic yeah. onboarding program. We can do that. I cannot make those three things appear in someone if they don't have them. So those have yeah. always been my three big drivers. So what I hear you say without giving away the questions is you have, yeah. you have specific questions that you ask in different interviews that help yeah. you figure out those intangibles. Is that right? 
I do. And, and it's anything, not even just like one question. It's their why. It's why yeah. are they interviewing for this position? How did they get to where they are? Why did they do certain things in their life trajectory to be here? Um, all of that kind of helps determine someone's passion that they're going to carry over here. Yeah, I love it. I think that's what makes sales recruiting so different than other types of recruiting is it is so much about the intangibles, intangibles. And yes, in certain roles and in certain jobs, you do need certain types of experience and that matters. I'm not trying to downplay that. And at the same time, like there are definite intangibles that you have to be mm -hmm. able to pick up on. And, you know, it's interesting in doing what we do. We get to see a lot of companies interview in a lot of different ways and some do it really well and some that, that struggle point blank. And for me, one of the things I always encourage them is like, hey, what do you want from an intangible standpoint? What are you looking for? Because what's important to you for the position that you hire for, the intangibles may be different for somebody else, but what's important to think through is, hey, what are those intangibles that matter to me? Mm -hmm. And then what can I do throughout the interview process to vet that out and, and be thoughtful? A lot of times people just show up. It's like, hey, tell me about yourself. And there's not a lot of thought to how they're go like what they're looking for and how they're going to go about, you know, figuring mm -hmm. some of that stuff. I can tell you for me, like I'll give you an example one. I, uh, in doing what we do, coachability is big. Yes. Um, is is somebody has got to be coachable? Where uh, we they're coming into our organization and uh, they're confident, but they're not so confident to where they're not listening to any, anybody yeah. else. Any, anybody says it. So for me, one of the things I do in an interview process, which I feel like you'll appreciate, is like I give them something to work on. I can't, yeah. I'm going to tell them a hesitation that I have, mm -hmm. or I'm going to tell them that. Uh, they say, and I say, um, from time yeah. to time, but they say, um, and, and, and see if they listen and if they adjust. And then the next interview, uh, we had, a, we had a girl that actually works for our organization. I won't say names. <laughs> he kept saying, to be honest in the interview, ah. I said, Hey, can I, can I give you, can I give you feedback? I wouldn't say to be honest, because it makes me think, are you not being honest with yeah, me? Yeah. Insinuate right? you're not. Yep. And so the next time she came in, she didn't say it once and I brought yeah. it up to her. And she said, well, you told me not to. And I've been working on it because I realized I say it all the time. And it said to me, it was like, coachable. she gets it. She's coachable, right? Well, um, and how and people you can react. feel that in interview process. Exactly. Some people become defensive when you give them feedback. Some people don't handle that well. Some people don't want to hear that you have a hesitation. It's how they overcome that objection too, which is a big part of sales. Sales. And, you know, it's interesting because for the right, what I've realized is if it's the right salesperson sales reps like a challenge mm -hmm. right they, they want they love a challenge and if something's too easy it almost like scares them off right like they it's like they want the girl until they get the girl and then once they have the girl they don't want the girl anymore yeah. I, uh, yeah. that is a lot of the mentality of a sales rep and so you know one of the things i've seen is when you when you throw an objection at them or you coach them for the right person they appreciate that it want it makes them want it even more Right. Yeah, um, and so uh, I think it's all of that to say it's a very long winded way of saying it. think about the intangibles that you want and then design your interview process to figure that out. And I think one last thing around the interview is just don't make it cookie cutter. So for me, we have different roles and every territory is different. So what if it's a newer territory with not as much business? I'm going to look for different skill sets in that person yeah. than someone coming in, taking over an established territory market. And so. Think about how you need to pull out those characteristics from people based on the market you're going to place Absolutely. them in and challenge them. See how they're going to overcome that challenge because in sales, you're going to be challenged 
30 times a day at minimum. And so be ready for that. I love that. I love that. Kristen, uh, last question for you, more on the personal side. Um, you are a wife, you are a mom, and you have a very demanding career um, and a very successful career at that. How do you how do you balance the three of those? Mm -hmm. So um, I balance it by knowing there is no such thing as work-life balance. And before anyone freaks out about that comment, and what I mean by that is work-life balance is different for you than for me, than for my husband, than for you know, your 10 next colleagues that you think of. And yeah. so understanding that that balance is what you define it as. Some people have different goals and aspirations. So to be extraordinary, you have to do extraordinary things. There are going to be moments of extreme sacrifice, but then there's going to be moments you can make up. So family-wise, what's always guided me is quality, not quantity. There are plenty right. of people that are around their family every day and they're on their phone and they're they're on the TV and they're, they're not spending time with them. So it's important for me, for my kids who are teenagers now, I've got one about to go off to college. You know, at this point, they've seen me grind for years. They've seen the work ethic. They've seen that. So I think that's been a very valuable lesson for them. So that's important. But also they know that when I'm there, I'm present. I'm talking yep. to them. I'm having conversations. Now, I can be at a soccer game on my phone for work at the same time. Multitasking is part of it. Yep. But, you know, for me, it's every individual person has to define what work-life balance means to you yes. and then live up to that. Yep. Um, not coming up with some arbitrary someone else's standard. Um, so for me, I, it took me a minute to define that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I'm in a great place and I feel like I have valuable time with my kids. And even when they were little, I'd say, mommy can't come to lunch every day. Mommy can't yeah. be in story time. What's important to you for me to be at. Yeah. And so we've always had a very open conversation about that with them. They would yeah. die if they heard me say they called me mommy. So. <laughs> uh, senior in high school. Is that right? Senior and a sophomore. Yep. Come on. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. And I think it's just continuing to stay in the fight and fighting for, for mm -hmm. it. Right. Like in, in continuing to, and for me is like, I, I feel like understanding my priorities mm -hmm. uh, was a really big one. And at the same time, I have to, my, my, uh, my family becomes before work. And at the same time, I've had to sacrifice mm -hmm. certain things with my family for work. And then at the same time, like, this morning, uh, my uh, first grade son had a hard time going into school. And yeah. for me, it's like, well, it was actually yesterday. And so this morning I needed to be there to be, bring him to like, that was an important thing. Um, and, uh, but it is, it's a fight. Uh, and you're somebody that, that I feel like does it really well. Um, real talk. I, I'm so thankful for you, Kristen. Uh, I'm thankful that you, one, you came on the podcast with me and, and let our listeners um, hear from you and, uh, be able to learn uh, tidbits from you that I've been able to, to learn uh, through time. And um, and at the same time, you are a great example, in my opinion, of an ideal partner for a sale. People ask me from time to time, how's the best way to work with a recruiting firm? And I'm like, man, have hard conversations. That's yes. what you need to do. There are going to be things through time that will come up and, and you'll have to work through things together, but get on the phone, work through them build relationships, care for their business, have them care for your business um, and work through things. You've always been that for um, for pursuit. And I am extremely grateful. Uh, and so we're super thankful for you. Thank you for having me on. And I'm so appreciative of not only you as a person, Carter, but of the partnership that we do have with pursuit. So thank you for for thinking of me. I'm honored to be on your podcast.
Awesome. Thank you so much, Kristen. Bye, guys.